0: Hello, welcome back to our series, Spirit-Filled. Before I get started on today's sermon, I want to start with asking a question. When you hear of the term Spirit-Filled, or even why we're doing the series, what comes to mind? Do you think about maybe an experience that you've had, Um, a sense of feeling of knowing God's peace and love, Or uh, maybe your mind goes back to a particular uh, service where you encounter God powerfully and you're wanting to go back to that moment. And uh, how I want to follow on that question is asking, uh, why do you think we need the Holy Spirit? You know, Joe in week one helpfully touched on the Holy Spirit being a helper. And uh, I want to build on that this week. For us to understand that uh, for us to be filled with the Spirit is not just to encounter God for ourselves, but it is because God calls us to be people who bring his kingdom into the world. So we see in John 14, the chapter that Joe started off the series with, that the Holy Spirit is described as a helper. But what does he help us do? He helps us to keep Jesus' teaching and commands. And in some ways, we could sum that up as being... Uh, to love God, and to love one another. So a sense of experiencing God's love, but then showing that to the people around us. And then last week, when Andrew touched on Acts chapter 1, Jesus in that chapter, he says to the disciples, you know, uh, you will receive my Holy Spirit, and you'll receive power to be witnesses. So uh, one of the main reasons for us to encounter the Holy Spirit is not just for ourselves, but is to show the world around us who God is, to show them the kingdom of God. Because we know that God loves the world and that he wants people to come into his kingdom. And the way in which he does that is through you and I. And so as we uh, listen today today's passage, uh, I want us to hear it through that lens, that God is calling you and I to be those who bring God's kingdom wherever we go. You know, these moments at the end of, uh, at the, end of the service where we're waiting for God to uh, fill us powerfully, it's not just for that moment. It is so that God sends us into uh, the places that we go. The moment we leave a building or the moment we leave where we're sat, that God is sending us to be those who bring his kingdom. And we do so empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I really am excited for Kings because I I look at our church and we're so diverse and I see so much kingdom potential in us that as we do the series, looking at being filled by the Spirit, that God is going to propel us into every area of our lives, you know, every area of society. And because we're diverse, we're filled by the Spirit and we can reach all of those areas for the glory of God. So I hope that as we listen to this today, that we, we hear and feel and know God's call on our lives to be those who bring his kingdom. So let's uh, look at the Bible. We're going to be in Acts chapter 8 today. And uh, just some context for Acts chapter 8 as we read it. When we look at the book of Acts, what we see is that it is Luke continu- it's Luke's continuation of the gospel being furthered. So in chapter one of Acts, uh, Jesus says that the gospel, will, uh, the disciples will be witnesses of the gospel in Jerusalem. So the immediate place that they are, then Judea, the city that they're in, and then Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's showing that the gospel is progressively moving and growing. And that's what we get to today in Acts chapter eight. So let's turn to Acts chapter eight and we'll read a couple of sections. So starting at verse 2. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravishing the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For the unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many of them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in the city. And then if we jump down to verse 25 or 26, it says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south. To the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, this is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And as he was reading the prophet Isaiah, and the spirit of the Lord said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptised him. And when they came out, out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns unless he, until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of God. So just to recap what we've seen in these two sections of scripture, we see that Saul, who later is converted and his name is changed to Paul, is persecuting the church, that he is dragging men and women into prison for what they believe. And as a result, the church scatters, and it starts to go to different parts of the nation. And then we see that Philip particularly goes to Samaria, And we see that this is, uh, you know, in some ways that God is fulfilling what he told uh, the early apostles that would happen. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Samaria and this starts to happen. And we see that Philip goes to Samaria and he preaches the gospel and people come to faith. And uh, not only does he preach the gospel, he also prays for people to be freed from oppressive spirits. And then he prays for healing and people are healed. And that results in great joy coming into the city. But after Philip is in Samaria, we see that the spirit of God tells him to now go to Gaza or this road that's leading down to Gaza. And on that journey, which maybe seems like a a lonely road, that he sees the Ethiopian eunuch on his own. And God says, go over to him, you know, uh, ask him what he's doing. And through this dialogue and the reading of scripture, for whatever reason, the Ethiopian eunuch is reading it. A man who seems to want to know God. And through the dialogue with Philip, he comes to faith. And then we have this really bizarre bit of uh, the passage where it seems that Philip is teleported uh, to, uh, to Azotis, And it seems that the Ethiopian eunuch doesn't blink an eye. I know I probably would have been a little bit shocked and said something, but we see that Philip goes and that the Ethiopian eunuch goes on rejoicing. Just a quick comment on the uh, idea of teleportation. I don't think that this is the norm. So for those of us who with the Holy Spirit to think, oh, I can now teleport. And I think the reason that is, is because Philip is one of three people throughout scripture that we see this happen to. So it seems like it's something really rare. And if anything, I I think it's pointing uh, to Philip being a messenger, just as the other prophets were. And whereas the other things that we see Philip do, like preaching the gospel and praying for healing, uh, seeing oppressed spirits, they are things that we see repeated throughout scripture. So we see that. And as Philip goes now, uh, he lands in Azotus and he continues to preach uh, preach the gospel up the west coast. And we've got this map of just seeing Philip's journey. And I think it's really helpful to sometimes see the journey that Philip goes on from Jerusalem to Samaria, down to Gaza, and up the coast. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, uh, when I don't understand the distances that he travels, seeing it on a map like this makes makes it come to life. Seeing, wow, Philip traveled for the gospel. So today I want to look at uh, three S's that uh, we kind of see in the passage. Um, I've hopefully come up with some useful alliterations and that might be memorable for you. But I want us to see how the Spirit of God is at work in us or at, at work in the story so that they can encourage us to be those who go on mission uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. So the first S is scattering. So we see that as the church uh, here is scattered under persecution, we see that the spirit of God is always at work. You know, when you read the book of Acts uh, through from chapter one up to this passage, persecution and scattering seems to be a common theme nearly in every passage, whether it's individuals or the church, people are scattered, but that doesn't stop The gospel from moving forward because the spirit of God is at work in the midst of scattering and I think the reason this is is because uh, when you're persecuted for what you believe uh, the the people almost backed into a corner saying God we cannot rely on anyone else but we need your spirit to be at work in us and it's almost uh, in their weakness the power of Christ is made strong by his spirit And so we see that um, through persecution and a dependence on Christ, that we're able to, that they are able to share the gospel and nothing can stop the gospel, uh, the gospel from moving forward. You know, uh, I think in this passage, it helps us to have an understanding of persecution, because particularly for us in the West, it's not something that we are familiar with. Um, but a story that I've been thinking about over the last few weeks that has really challenged me on my understanding of persecution and risking for the gospel is when we're at a prayer meeting as a Catford site a few weeks ago, we had Ian and Angela Moore who attend the site and they are really involved with Christians in China particularly. And I'm sure many of you know that the church in China is heavily persecuted that those who follow Jesus in China face the reality of of the early church like this, that being committed to prison for their trust in Christ. You know, how many of us have to think about that when we come on a Sunday or even turning this on? We're not worried about who's watching or who's looking, but the church in China, there are real people living today who are wondering, God, uh, will I be arrested for this? But so Ian is uh, Ian and Angelo sharing about how uh, all that they're doing in China. so they help uh, take Bibles, they help connect different uh, Christians to one another. Um, but Ian shares that the church in China is being heavily persecuted, and he starts to share some prayer points. And as I listen to Ian, you know he's sharing about how uh, we want to send resources or how uh, they need wisdom for where to go, what to do. And I'm thinking, okay, Ian, your next point is gonna be pray that there's no more persecution. But Ian says the exact opposite. He says, please don't pray that persecution stops. And he says, because the church in China understand that if persecution stops, they will get comfortable and the gospel will not be furthered. I found this really challenging to think, wow, there are men and women in China who are willing to risk their lives for the sake of the gospel and they know that they're willing to risk it because they know that in the midst of scattering the spirit of God is always at work so I want to ask us are we willing to be like Philip and the early church like these Christians in China and many other parts of the world who are willing to be persecuted for the sake of the gospel so the second S that I'd love us to look at is that the Spirit sends. So in this passage, we see that the Holy Spirit sends Philip to Samaria. And then he also sends the, uh, Philip to, uh, to Jerusalem or this road from Jerusalem to Gaza where he meets the Ethiopian eunuch. And I want us to remember that God sends Philip to these places because God cares about these places that God cares about them and he loves them and wants them to know and experience the gospel and the way in which God wants mission to happen and for people to know him is through using you and I and he uses people and what I love about these two passages is that we see that God works and when he sends Philip God works in a large crowd so in Samaria it seems that many come to faith but we also see that when God sends he sends Philip to an individual and that, uh, so we see that God cares about both the crowd, but as well as the individual, and I particularly just want to touch on the idea of the Ethiopian eunuch, Uh, you know, one of the things that we see is often that we focus on the Ethiopian eunuch as a way that the gospel is a, that the gospel going to the Ethiopian eunuch is a fulfillment of the gospel moving forward uh, to the ends of the earth, and I think this is a good thing, and it is really important that we understand that, But sometimes I think we can miss the idea that God sends Philip to an individual, that he sends him to to this particular individual that he cares about on a lonely road. And so I want to ask us, where is God sending us? Often when we hear the word mission, you know, there are various things that come to mind. I know I can often think about uh, when I hear the word mission, I can think about church planting and foreign mission. And uh, those are really good things. And I think about those things because I'm really passionate about them. But sometimes I can really miss what God is doing right here, right now in London. That God is sending me into London. That uh, God is sending me to my friends, my, uh, my friendship groups, my rugby club. So I ask, where is God sending you? Is it to your street, to your neighbours, to your family, to your work colleagues, to your schools? But we want to know that God sends us. But when God sends us, uh, he he is the one that's preparing hearts. And I think this is something that we, we really need to understand because this is what we see in this passage. Is that when God sends Philip to these places, it's God who's prepared the hearts of those people. And that's why they come to faith. And one of the ways in which we can be a bit more receptive to what God is doing and to where he's doing it is through prayer. And uh, I just want to quickly share a story of uh, this at work in my life. And so every time I preach, I know I talk about rugby. Um, It's not because I'm obsessed with rugby, but for me, I feel that is where God is sending me, that God is sending me to my rugby club. Because uh, as someone who's on staff at a church, it's a, a place that I can be in that is uh, full of people who, who don't know Jesus. And one of the things that I do on a regular basis on the way to training, and uh, I don't do it perfectly every time, but always on my drive to the rugby club, I always ask, I say, God, please would you give me an opportunity to share the gospel? And do you know what? Sometimes there are moments where I try and share the gospel and my, my mates just kind of ignore it, brush it off, and conversation moves on. And that's okay because I'm sure uh, when you are sharing the gospel, those are moments that happen. Um, uh, and I think in those moments, what God wants to do is affirm our, our hearts of being obedient to him. But uh, there's a particular story that encouraged me to just be aware that God is preparing hearts in places that I least expect. So there was one uh, uh, kind of last year at some point, I uh, met up with a guy who plays a similar position to me and I said, hey, mate, please could we um, hang out and do some extra work before training because there's some stuff we both need to work on and to keep our our positions in the club, we need to to do some extra work. And so uh, we met up the following week before training uh, and we were warming up. And as we were warming up, my mate asked me, he said, oh, Tex, what do you do? And for me, being a pastor is often a really easy in to be able to share the gospel. And I said, oh, I'm a pastor. And my friend stopped warming up. And I got really nervous because I thought, oh, no, why has he stopped? Is he, is he going to say, oh, Tex, I don't want to try and interview anymore that actually he's had a bad experience with Christians. And so I asked him, I said, oh, mate, what, what's going on? Um, how come you stopped? And he just turned to me and he said, Tex, I've been praying to God over the last few weeks that he would send me someone because I do believe in God, but my, my kind of walk with him has completely fallen away. That I feel like I'm off track and I just need someone to help me uh, put my eyes back on Jesus and to follow him. And I was really blown away that, wow, God, you are at work in, in maybe places where I least expected it. You know, in, in my head, I was saying, okay, God, I'm at the rugby club, but this is a, a session where I'm supposed to be, uh, you know, working and training. But God said, Tex, you're in the rugby club. Here is a moment because I've sent you there. So could I encourage us to, to ask, where is God sending us? You know, whatever it is to be aware of a spirit and to be praying for those moments, praying, God, please, uh, would you send me and give me opportunities to share the gospel? And then lastly, when God sends us, he does so by equipping us to speak and to, do, and to perform signs. So those are the last S's that I want to look at, that the Spirit equips us to speak and to perform signs. So we see that for Philip, one of the primary ways in which he uh, brings the kingdom of God is through speaking. And he speaks in two ways. Uh, first, he preaches the gospel to people. And uh, maybe that might be a little bit similar to what we uh, would look at on a Sunday where he stands up in front of a crowd. But we also see that Philip speaks to the Ethiopian eunuch and there's dialogue between him and the Ethiopian eunuch. And it's the spirit that equips him to be able to do that. we also see that the Holy Spirit is the one who equips him to to bring freedom to people. Uh, You know, freedom from from those spirits that are pressing them, but also to bring physical healing. And what I want us to know as we read these passages that wherever God is sending us, he is the one that is equipping us and that he will give us the right words to say and the right things to do. And uh, you know, we have to have wisdom when it comes to to what we're gonna say, what we're gonna do, but I want us to hear this knowing God has given us what we need. And so as I uh, close today, uh, I hope that as you've heard this, that you have been encouraged, but I also hope that you're excited to know that God is calling you, but he hasn't left you on your own. That wherever he is sending you, that he has given you his Holy Spirit and his Spirit will equip you to say all that you need to say and do all that you need to do. I do think for us, um, one of the things that we, that we maybe need to to be a bit more open to, and I say this to myself, is, am I willing to be as obedient as Philip is? You know, where it seems that Philip has this very nomadic view about his life, that he says, where God sends me, I will go. And I think here, what Philip is, is not saying, oh God, I want to go there, so please make that happen. He's saying, God, Here I am, I'm your vessel, please use me. And so for us, I I wonder, are we able to to learn from Philip in terms of being those who who goes where the Spirit sends and confident that the Holy Spirit will equip us to speak and to perform signs. And uh, what I would love us to essentially to do is to say, Holy Spirit, here I am as a vessel, send me. So I'd love to pray for us. And then we can sing. Lord God, I want to thank you that you have equipped us to bring your kingdom. Thank you that your spirit is the one who is always at work preparing hearts. God, I want to pray for every single person here today that as they uh, step forward into saying that they are vessels ready to bring the kingdom of God, that you would fill us afresh with power to proclaim the good news of Jesus and to know that uh, that there is no pressure on us, but we simply have to say we're obedient vessels to God, ready to share the good news wherever we go. God, also do pray, would you give us wisdom of where where you're sending us to see where you're working God, I want to pray that you would open spiritual eyes for us, that as we uh, leave the places that we are now, that we would uh, see where you're at work and be obedient to go to those places to proclaim the good news of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.